Lord God, we praise you that you have given us sinners great reasons to sing, to sing the joy of knowing we are saved by your grace. Help us to understand today what it means that you have transformed us from being powerless to powerful. For Jesus' sake, amen. Grace to you and peace from the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. On November 7th, 1907, a train with a boxcar containing dynamite caught fire in the small mining village of Nakazari in Sonora, Mexico. When the flames reached the dynamite, the blast was felt 10 miles away. So just think about how far 10 miles is from here. The whole town of Nakazari should have been blown into the air like dandelion seeds scattered by a single careless puff. The town was not destroyed, however, thanks to the railroad engineer by the name of Jesus Garcia, pictured on the screens. When Jesus Garcia noticed that the boxcar had caught fire, he jumped onto the train engine. This is a replica of the actual train engine that he jumped onto. And he quickly drove that dynamite boxcar away from the town where it exploded harmlessly. Harmlessly for the people of Nakazari, that is, but not harmlessly for Jesus. You see, Jesus himself died in the blast. He gave his life to save the lives of many. The next picture is that of a statue that's been erected in memory of Jesus Garcia Corona, as he's known by his full name. We have to ask the question, why did he do this? Why did Jesus Garcia jump onto that train in the first place? We'll never really know, I guess. I, I suppose if he could answer him for himself, he'd probably say something like, well, it was my job. After all, I was the train engineer, and my town was in danger. The monument in this next photo honors this hero who gave his life to save his town. There is, of course, another Jesus who gave his life to save others from eternal disaster. And on Good Friday, Jesus of Nazareth hitched the world's sins to himself and pulled them up onto the cross where God's fury exploded with a deafening silence that can still be heard some 2,000 years later. And again, we ask the question, why? Why did Jesus do this? Well, step up close and press your eye, if you will, to the keyhole of the cross. And as you look through the cross itself, you'll see why he did it. Because you'll be looking directly into God's heart. God's heart of love for you. That's why he did it. He loved you that much. The train engineer, Jesus Garcia, is hailed even today 
a hero because he saved a town of hardworking people, a town of boys and girls, a town of grandmas and grandpas, abuelas and abuelos. But consider this scenario for a moment. What if Jose Jesus Garcia had driven a burning boxcar of TNT away from the mansion of a drug lord whose life activities results in death and destruction around the world? Would the newspaper headlines have read, Jesus Garcia is a hero who demonstrated love by dying for drug lords? Probably not. More than likely, they would have ridiculed him as a fool for sacrificing his life for the sake of the scum of the earth. Why not let the drug lord and all of his evil cronies die instead? Well, with that thought in mind, friends, now consider what the Apostle Paul writes about the rescue that Jesus pulled off for you and me from our text this morning from Romans 5, starting in verse 6. Listen to what Paul says. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, think Jesus Garcia. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amazing, isn't it? While we were still sinners, while we were still powerless, He did this for us. Now, granted, we may not be drug lords whose life activity destroys other lives, and we may not be murderers or what others would consider the scum of the earth, but are we not all guilty anyway? Guilty of sinning? Do we not all fit the bill of Paul's description, the ungodly? I see myself there. Aren't we not all there? As we examine our own lives against God command, God's commandments, can't we honestly admit that, yes, I've been the one that has lied and cheated and stolen, cut corners. I might try to justify them as little white lies or, or little acts of stealing, but it's still stealing, it's still lying, it's still sin. Have we not all had evil thoughts at times? Thoughts that may very well then have led to wrong actions? Have we not all spoken unkind words and torn down someone else's reputation by gossiping and rumor-mongering? We're all there, aren't we? Now, you might be saying, well, Pastor, you're being a little nitpicky here. After all, I'm not that bad. Well, let me ask you, how big a flame does it take to ignite a stick of dynamite? Not a very big flame at all. And how dangerous is even a little sin. Deadly. Deadly serious indeed, as Paul goes on to tell us in the next section of our text, actually in verse 12 of our text, where he writes, 
Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. One sin is enough to condemn us. And one sin leads to death, physical death. And if unchecked and untaken care of, it leads to eternal death. Sin entered the world through one man, that one man being Adam. Adam and Eve, of course, the first people, disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. And by their sin, death entered into the world. They experienced the consequences of sin, first of all, separation from God as they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, indicating they were separated from Him. Well, that same sin, friends, has been passed on to you and me. We got it from our parents. They got it from their parents. They got it from their parents and their parents all the way back to our first parents, Adam and Eve. That original sin has been passed on to us. We come into this world, we're born sinful, rebellious, enemies of God, separated from Him. Is one sin serious? Yes. And we've done more than one. But then doesn't that underscore the amazing nature of God's act of love for us sinners? Think about it. Jesus intervened on your behalf and mine. Jesus jumped onto the train, if you will, of the cross and took the explosion of God's wrath upon our sins. He did all of that so that you and I might be spared punishment. He did all of that so that you and I might know for certain that our sins are wiped away forever and we are forgiven through faith in Jesus as our Savior. He did all of that that we might be welcomed back into the family of God, welcomed back into relationship with our Creator. Paul goes on to write about this concept in the next three verses, verses 9 through 11. He says, Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. I want to highlight two key words in that passage. First, in the very first line of the passage, the word is justified. We talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago. Justified basically means being declared not guilty. Like in a courtroom, when a judge declares a a convicted person not guilty because the punishment is put on someone else. And in this case, in our case, the punishment was put on the someone else of Jesus. And God the Father looks at you and me and says, not guilty because of Jesus. We are justified. And because we're justified, we have the assurance that we are saved. The second key word comes a little bit later in the passage, and the word is reconciled. Having been reconciled, we'll be saved. Reconciled means to be changed from being enemies to being friends. 
from being enemies of God to being friends of God. You know, when you get into a conflict with a friend or a relative, and then you both commit to working through that conflict and, conflict and resolving it so that you reestablish the relationship, the friendship again, you say we are now reconciled to each other. God the Father has reconciled us to Himself. He has made us His friends again, even members of His family again, through the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. We are reconciled with the Creator. What an amazing gift is the love of God for us in Jesus Christ who went to that cross for you and me. That brings us to the last verse of our passage, our text this morning, verse 15. Paul writes, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, namely Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? By Adam we get death, but by Jesus all who believe in Him receive eternal life. And it overflows to all, and the invitation goes out to all to receive this wondrous gift. The result of that gift, of course, in this life is that Jesus transforms us from being powerless to powerful. Paul said we were once powerless. It was while we were powerless and unable to do anything about our own sinful state that He did what we couldn't do. But now by doing that at the cross and by His resurrection from the dead, He gives us new power. He transforms us from being powerless to being powerful in the sense that we now can go out into the world and make a difference. No, it's not a power of ourselves. It's a power that we have by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, He empowers us to change the world one person at a time as we share the message of God's act of rescue on behalf of the world. Jesus Garcia gave his life for a town. Jesus gave his life for the world. And that message is our message that changes the world one person at a time. You know, as the cross of Jesus radiates the light of God's love out to the world, so too you and I are to radiate that same light. For the cross is much more than just a monument to the one who died on it. The cross is God's very message to the world that says, this is what I did for you and this is how much I love you. This is how much I want you to be with me forever. And so, friends, you and I have the challenge to lift high the cross to share the message of God's love with all who will listen. The citizens of Nakazari, Sonora, Mexico, were so thankful to Jesus Garcia that they renamed their town after him in his honor. Now, obviously, Jerusalem was never renamed. It, it's not known today as Jesusville, but maybe more important than that is the fact that you and I have been renamed. 
We've been given the name Christian, which means little Christ. We've been named in honor of the one who gave his life for us. We are little Christs in the sense that we've been transformed by Christ. We've been saved by Christ, and we are to reflect Christ to the world. Yes, we've been given a new name. We've been renamed from sinner to saint. We've been renamed from lost to found. We've been renamed from enemy to friend of God. We've been renamed from powerless to powerful. For you see, we've been brought into the family of God as a member, as a son or a daughter. And God, your heavenly Father, is thrilled to call you his child. So, friends, I challenge you to spend every day of the rest of your life telling others the story of the greatest rescue that has ever taken place. And it has nothing to do with a train, and it has everything to do with a cross. May we spend our lives lifting high the cross. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.